0: Welcome. Good morning and welcome everyone. My name is Pastor Scott. You may be seated. So glad to have you with us. Nice to see you all. We need to do daylight savings more often. The 1030s never look so vibrant. Uh, Welcome to Lent at Bethany North. We will be doing, for the next 40 days, we will be in a sermon series called Seasons. Looking to understand God's faithfulness in every season of life. We'll be looking at Jesus' words about time. Today we'll be talking about Ecclesiastes as a foundation. Then we'll kind of focus the rest of our text, the rest of the series, on where Jesus talks about time and seasons. We are inviting as a church, if this is your church home, we're inviting you to pray during Lent for the people that God has entrusted to your care. For the next 40 days, we have a prayer room set up at the church office, which is right behind Sherwood High School at a coffee shop called One Cup in a building called The Junction, and we have changed one of the pastoral offices to a prayer room. It is a beautiful space. We're encouraging everyone that calls Bethany North home to go to the link in your bulletin or on our website and sign up for a one-hour block. We would love to have you pray at the prayer room. I was there Friday night with my kids. We just spent 20 minutes there. It's a very restful, spirit-filled place. Come into the prayer room and write prayer requests for the people that God has entrusted you to be praying for. If that doesn't work for you because life is so busy, sign up and pray at your anywhere, like on your way to work, on a walk around the neighborhood, in a regular prayer meeting, around a meal. Like just, we want to be praying. Also, we will be, for the season of Lent, we're going to be talking about sharing our stories in order to set Jesus up as a hero. Last week, I talked about three different methodologies for how to share our stories of faith. We talked about evangelism demystifying a bit. We know that all of us are called to share our, our salvation stories, any of us that are in faith, and oftentimes when we think about evangelism, we might think about, you know, a distant person in a foreign country or even like the mailman, and oftentimes research shows where we're most able to impact are those closest to us. So during Lent, we're trying to, as a church, tell our stories of salvation to those closest to us always with Jesus as a hero. And this is information that's been curated from an organization of pastors called Saturate the Sound that's trying to plant more churches and see more people that are outside the faith come to saving faith in Christ. At Easter, we know, hey, invite your friends, invite your whatever else, but what happens is way bigger than an invitation to Easter service. What happens in relationship, we're called to be sharing our stories of salvation with Christ as a hero. Last week, I kind of taught these three different aspects, and for all of Lent, we're going we're gonna to look at story, and each week we'll have a different person from the congregation share How they came to faith. Now, if you're looking for practical ways, someone in the congregation I respect a lot, he said, hey, Scott, you shared two weeks ago about sharing Jesus a la Romans 15. Paul wants to share Christ in all places. But how? We need to teach the church how. Here's three really easy ways for you to share your story of faith with your children, with a spouse, with a roommate, with a friend, with a coworker who you love. Share Jesus with someone you love. The first is the Instagram story where you would show three pictures of your life before Jesus with Christ, a kind of a conversion moment or season, and then after Jesus, or you could draw three pictures. This one works really well with kids because they can be drawing while you're drawing and telling your Story of faith. We assume the kids we're raising, those of us that are parents in the room, know how we became a Christian. Often they they don't know. And so this is where we share Christ with those closest to us. Secondly, this is most common where, kind of like a three act play, you would tell your life story with Jesus as the hero of that story before Christ with Christ, your conversion moment or season or experience, and kind of what life looks like after. None of us are perfect, but how you're trying to live into this after Jesus momentum. And this other one is a tad bit more complex, but that each great story, each great narrative has kind of four pillars. There's something beginning, and then a fall, time of brokenness, where you kind of knew you needed Christ, your salvation story, how you came to, to have the Spirit of God live inside you, and then the restoration is how you're living into that. So these are three different methodologies not exclusive by any way but just three different handles on how to do it and so during lent we're gonna have different congregants just saying they're gonna pick a methodology and just share their story with jesus as the hero to the congregation so today i've invited my wife heather's son to come up and share her story and always like the jesus is the hero is an interesting one because even if we share our stories sometimes it's just our stories but it's really important to tell our stories of faith with jesus as the hero and so um Welcome, Heather Sund. I, I talk, if you missed it last week, we talked at the end of Romans 16 about Priscilla and Aquila and how at times of my marriage i failed that. I just I, so, I have so much to learn from this woman who God has gifted me with and uh, for us to just impact the world together, have that kind of ministry like Priscilla and Aquila. And so I would love to hear your story of faith that Jesus is a hero. Which of these methodologies are you going to use?
1: I'm going to speak to the three-act
0: play okay. that spoke to me.
1: Um... So the way this came about is after Scott shared last Sunday, he said something along the lines of, all of us have been pursued um, by somebody in our life who brought us to Christ and kind of shared that message. And as I thought about my own story and and we talked afterwards, I said, that's really not my story. Uh, I don't actually feel like anyone's ever really pursued me in my faith. I do feel like God has pursued me, but my story is one of more often feeling like an outsider to faith and saying, I really want to be a part of that. And um, that goes back to my early childhood, starting with my parents um, who—my mom grew up Mormon, and as a young adult, um, my dad became Mormon to marry her, and then they decided that wasn't for them. And so uh, we didn't go to church a lot growing up. We had a church that we went on occasion to— you know, We were the Christmas and Easter attenders, and I remember even as a young child, this was the kind of church that at least every time we went, they prayed the sinner's prayer and gave you a chance to invite Jesus into your heart, and I did that every time we went, just in case it didn't take the last time, and I was all in, and I loved it. That process, but I I always felt like the outsider. I was the kid that didn't really know the songs and definitely didn't have the verses memorized when I showed up and um, didn't know all the stories. And so uh, that was the beginning of my faith journey. But I remember saying prayers every single night. Sorry, I'm just getting my voice back after a cold. Um, Every single night I prayed. You know, now he lay me down to sleep with my parents. And then just it felt like God was just this magical person in my life that I could talk to and to invite into the things that were on my heart. Mainly I just wanted him to protect everyone. And then in adolescence, it started to go deeper for me, and I realized this was something that could be mine. This is something that I could pursue. And so I started going to church with friends and a youth group with a family that we knew. My best friend was Catholic, and we would alternate churches, and it was about being good at that time in my life. It was, oh, this is rules I can follow for a good life. And memorize the Ten Commandments, and I would read the scriptures and say, "Okay, this is guidance for me and It was a really kind of rules based uh, faith, but it was it was the beginning of that sort of with Jesus time like this is becoming my story, even so much that when I finally got my driver 's license, I would get up early and get myself ready and drive myself to church. And my parents, who are now very involved in their church community, they're deacons at their church and amazing ministers for the gospel, Um, my mom would say, I just remember feeling so guilty laying in bed when you would get up early and get yourself ready and drive yourself to church. Um, So it just was God was pursuing me, and I was that person that felt like the outsider saying, can I be in the club? Can I be invited? Um, I definitely wasn't lingering in the hall afterwards or felt like I had this faith community at that point. I was just coming and hearing that message of love that I just thought, this is incredible. Like, I don't feel like I belong here, but whoa, God loves me, I'm in. Um, and then uh, in college, I went to Whitworth University, and I was invited to be, uh, become trained to be a young life leader. And in that year of discipleship, of learning how to do relational ministry, It was first taught to me that this is a relational God, and this isn't about rules, and this is about sharing a story of welcome to everybody, and especially Young Life's philosophy to the outsider, and I was like, that's my story, that I'm into, and so as I was discipled in that process, I first... Was experiencing the community of Christ and people coming together to encourage and um, take me along in that journey. I remember the first person who actually prayed with me, like that. That was a whole new concept. Danny Rock, who used to go to this church and helped us launch Bethany North, they moved to Vashon Island a few years ago. He and I were in that young life training together, and he said, "I'll pray for you." And I was like, "What? Like you and I are going to stand here and you're going to say prayers for me? That's awesome! <laughs> like this is the coolest thing." Um, at that time, at that same time as I was being commissioned to go out and share this message of hope with kids, um, I was um, went through a season of darkness. I had been um, assaulted by somebody I thought was a friend. And it really plunged me into a really confusing time, a scary time, and kind of learning that it wasn't about rules and it wasn't about religion. I kind of let some of that go. And in that season of darkness, it... Uh, I would say I wasn't walking in my behavior in the ways that um, I had in the past. I was very much a rule-following Christian. Kind of threw that aside and then just felt like I was in this season of, you know, am I in the club? I'm not sure, but I know one thing. I love sharing the message that you are and that these kids are. And so I was sharing the gospel, and I was sharing this message of truth and love and welcome to kids who felt like outsiders, not always sure that it, that it meant for me too, but I can look back and say, whoa, how awesome is that, that God was having me share that message even when it was hard for me to believe. Um. And I would say that this to me is why, uh, you know, going through seasons of darkness alongside God, continuing to woo and pursue and invite me in and make me feel like I'm included. I mean, to this day, to be married to a pastor, I'm like, what? I'm a pastor's wife? That's just weird. I'm not the church kid. (laughs) I still feel like an outsider off into faith. And that's why my heart is so wired to want everyone to feel included and welcome. And this book of Ecclesiastes that we get to look at today has continually spoken to me because I would say so poignantly in that time in college when season of darkness, God was still good and he was still with me. And it was all this big mystery that he would still love me even through hard times. Mm -hmm. And so my story is one where Jesus has been the hero, continuing to invite me in.
0: Thank you so much. Would you give her a big round of applause for Sharon? Would you read our scripture for us?
1: Yes, it's an honor to read Ecclesiastes to you. From Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11, it says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh. And a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, Heather. Our message today is entitled The Portal of Peace. The portal of peace. Let me say a prayer and we'll begin. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for Heather sharing her story and what a hero you've been to her, holding her faith strong in all the difficult seasons. And Lord, we celebrate you in all the beautiful seasons as well. Lord, as we open up Ecclesiastes, as we begin this series of Lent, we pray, God, that you would be opening us up to learn more about faithfulness and peace from um, just your, your obedience And how you marched to the cross, even when it would cost your own life, in order for us to experience the fullness of life within. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for these moments ahead. And all God's people said, Amen. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 11, the portal of peace. The portal of peace. And if you, the, you know, the, the portal is a, is a synonym for porch. It sounds like a sci fi thing, but portal is a way to get something, it's a way to travel through something. And so these Adirondacks are here. These are a Father's Day present for me a couple of years ago. Um, but they've become very significant in my life for a reason because uh, when I think about a, a porch or a portal for peace uh, in a human sense, uh, These chairs were really helpful for for Heather and I in our marriage over the summer. Now, we're getting married, ready to be married 20 years. We, we teach on marriage. She's a therapist. I'm a pastor. And yet, yeah, we're, we're first-person uh, experiences in the story that's oftentimes very difficult. The, the relationships God puts closest to us are often the most difficult ones, right? And so this summer, we had come back from a trip overseas that we thought would be the culmination of a beautiful season. But one we found there was, though we had an incredible time, we also, it was the first time we'd stepped away From the busyness in our life for quite some time, we realized that we were very emotionally distant. There was a lot of actually anger and frustration and pain that we had to work our way through. And I found ourselves kind of in a a rough season. It was supposed to be a good season, and we found it was a hard season. We came back from Europe, and I had all these questions. And I don't know if you deal with this too, but I'm like, I don't like this season. God, can you can you fast forward to the next season, the one where it's easy and good, and like I'm getting high fives from my spouse in the hall? Like I like that season. You can't rush the season you're in, but these chairs became a way back because even while we were in a season of disconnection, what we knew we needed was just time. We needed presence, and so four kids and jobs and all this craziness, we just started to sit in these chairs every single day in the summer. Some days it would be three minutes. All we got was three minutes for the chairs. Run out there, grab your coffee, grab your tea. We got three minutes for Adirondack time, we called it. Some days it was five, seven, seven days. We'd be leisurely on a Saturday morning. It might stretch to 30. But as we sat in the chairs, we recognized we couldn't, we couldn't fix the season. But as we were present to each other, our relationship could deepen. Time. Could, could, could kind of sustain some of the things that our questions couldn't be solved. And we started to see a way back to each other. Now, why do we start here as we're talking about seasons? Because whether you're single or married, really, it doesn't matter. Today, through the scriptures, the Lord Jesus wants to encounter you. There is one who will be your peace. But it must be approached You must approach Christ to see him sitting next to you in in every moment, in every season, to know that that there are difficult seasons to acknowledge, that it's really, really hard to live in the present, but if you can master those two challenges, there is a peace available through the person of Christ, through the presence of Christ, through the pattern of making time to see Christ in the day-to-day that will serve as a foundation for our Lenten series. Ecclesiastes was kind of a bedrock text. We'll be looking at the words of Christ. And during Lent, we know that it's a time of preparation, knowing the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And so at Lent, we, as a church, we either fast from something, we commit towards engagement towards all of it about ignoring the fullness of the cross as we, as we deal with the brokenness of ourselves and the fallenness of the world. As Christ goes through the cross, we learn in all seasons watching Christ, and this is the question that will come to us, how can we know and trust Christ in every season of my life? How can, I, how can I trust you, Jesus, with this season I'm in? For some of you, you're in a great season, so it's very easy to say, I mean, what do we say as a church? We say, God is really blessing me right now. But whether it's a time of blessing or something other than that, for all of us in the room, the desire to control time is elusive. And so we'll be looking at this this theme of time and seasons as a lens in order to grow our faith in the season of Lent. As Paul said in Ephesians 5 be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Here's what I want us to do as a church for the next 40 days. I want us to understand what the Lord's will is. And I know your stories. I know many of your stories. And it's a privilege. It's, it's, it's actually an honor to know your stories. People say it's really hard to be a pastor. And, and, and at times maybe it is. But it, it's a privilege to know your stories. So to have the audacity as your pastor to say that there is an opportunity to worship God in the middle of today's story, in the middle of this season, it's an audacious claim. But if we can live to trust Jesus in the midst of the anxiety that we're experiencing, the fear that we're stuck under, our worries for the future, you know, collectively and personal, there's an opportunity for discipleship. How rich would our lives be if we could simply learn to accept that there will be seasons of everything, and that God can be good through all of it? This is what we'll learn from Jesus during the Lenten season. So our big idea this morning, that peace is available in the presence of Christ. As we learn to accept and embrace, every season has something to teach us. And I just really want to emphasize this teaching this morning, church, that the the portal of peace is one place and one place only. It is the person of Christ. How do we get there? Two teachings that will help us get to that person of Christ is the portal of peace. And I know that's a lot of alliteration, but let's do it, baby. The first thing here is I want you to embrace impermanence. Embrace impermanence. When we look at Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8, there's a teaching on how to embrace impermanence. It was just read for you. I don't have to read it again. But Ecclesiastes 3 is a poem with 14 lines containing pairs of 28 items. This is, when you look at world literature, when people take a look at what's famous world literature, oftentimes Ecclesiastes is one of the few selections from the Bible indoctrinated into that canon. It is famous world literature because it teaches this totality of life's experience. So in these 14 lines, in these 28 items, there's a poetic device that the writer uses called a merism, merism, M-E-R-I-S-M. And what a merism is, is when you take two different ideas, not opposites even, but two different ideas and hold them together in one thread for one singular purpose. So an example of a merism, if you said something like, we were looking everywhere, we searched high and low. That's a merism. It doesn't literally mean we search high and then we search low. We take these two different ideas. In that instance, it is, you know, opposite ideas, but for one idea. Couldn't find it. So what the writer of Ecclesiastes says, it says, all of these different pairs, all of these different merisms to convey a sense of totality. As one writer said, the first line is about death and birth. The last line is about war and peace. In Ecclesiastes 3, we have the envelope of ultimacy. I was like, wow, that's a powerful word. The envelope of ultimacy. And so the writer says, there's a time for everything and a season for everything under heaven. The writer Ecclesiastes would use this word season five times, almost as much as Ecclesiastes as anywhere else in the Old Testament. And so there's this teaching about faithfulness in every season. We love a God of one season, of, of, of life never changing, but we live in a place of impermanence. And if we don't teach The church, how to worship God in both the time of planting and the time of uprooting, we will not be teaching disciples about real faith at all. Because life is full of different seasons. And in every season, there is an appropriateness. There is something that can be gained as disciples. It's not saying you'll love it, but there's something the writer says that can be good within it. And so the new knowledge that the writer brings to us is this teaching about acceptance and embracing every season that God cares in every season, that in every season it happens under the the, the authority of God's kingdom, and a proper knowledge of the season allows a proper worship of God. Proper knowledge of the seasons allows a proper worship of God, because we can trust even when we don't understand Another great book about seasons is the book of Job. And Job one twenty one says, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even when we don't understand the abundance that God gave, blessed be the Lord. Even when we don't understand the challenges of what the Lord seems to have taken away from us, blessed be the name of the Lord. But in every season, the poem d- d- uh, deconstructs our desire for predictability, our desire for permanence, our desire for control, our desire for static lives, because the world God created is impermanent. Like the very seasons of a year, we can't shift the seasons of our life. And so sometimes we just need to live through them and discover God's goodness right in the middle of both summer, abundance, and winter, scarcity. And much as we look outside right now into the seasons and a winter that's dragging on, we see that we can't control it. The piles of snow that are still in the parking lots or your front yards. It's this this teaching that there's, there's these holdovers that seasons just take a long time. But there's something about acknowledging and embracing the day that Christ wants to teach us. Many of us in the room, we, we, we prefer a God of nonstop planting or a God of nonstop building or a God of nonstop embracing or a God of nonstop mending or nonstop loving. It's not the way God works. This, de- this desire for a singular dimensional God is an idol for a pain-free life. Now, we have to acknowledge And embrace the challenge of seasons. The writer gets to this in verse 9. Look at verse 9 of Ecclesiastes 3. What do workers gain from their toil? Question mark. The rhetorical device here is a hypothetical question. And, And the writer is saying there are questions that you can't fix. You can't answer. In a very simplistic way, it's like, don't worry about what you can't fix. So the writer is saying, there are questions. How do we not worry about what we can't fix? It's this teaching about acknowledgement and embrace. Acknowledge the difficulty and the tension you face of certain seasons. There is nothing in Ecclesiastes 3 that says life won't hurt sometimes. There is nothing in Ecclesiastes 3 that promises you a pain-free life. There is nothing as a disciple of Jesus Christ that says, you won't make hard decisions. There is nothing in the gospel, in the season of Lent, where we're not called to remember that though we love the good, we must hold in tension the bad. This is where our faith is born, when we can acknowledge the difficulty and beauty of seasons. And that's what allows us to embrace Look at verse 10, the writer acknowledges, he says, I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. There's a question, and then he acknowledges the burden that God has laid on the human race. He's teaching this acknowledgement of the difficulty and beauty of seasons that allows the embrace. Don't explain away the season you or someone that you love is going through. Don't, don't, Don't say it doesn't hurt. Don't disengage, don't run and hide. This isn't the Christian faith. We do great damage to people when, when folks are in hard seasons and we say, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine, you know, next year, next season. Oh, it hurts. That's what the writer's saying. In the midst of what hurts at times, still faith is available. There's a component of mystery, mystery. And if you can't endure mystery in your Christian faith, your Christian faith will not ripen. Ecclesiastes doesn't give any easy answers, but has this deal with this element of mystery. Christ is going to talk about it too. I'll come to that in just a moment. But I want to to deal with one of the inherent risks of an acknowledge and embrace lifestyle. And this is in your bulletin. This first risk of this first point, the inherent risk is excessive passivity and passivity, that you would be passive all the time, that you would just disengage. Well, I guess this is the season I'm in. I guess, you know, I guess Jesus doesn't know. And, and then I've got this question for you. When is the time that you, that you ask? Jesus, don't you know about what I'm going through? I won't ask for a show of hands, but this is consistent with our experience. Jesus, don't you know that we wanted things to be different with our child, with, with a pregnancy? Jesus, didn't you know what I'm dealing with internally, with anxiety or depression, Jesus didn't, you know, even when the good times fade, Jesus didn't, you know, I was going to do better things with my money. Jesus didn't, you know, think like, and, and we can run this risk, this inherent risk of acknowledgement and embrace is, is if we're not careful, we can become too passive. Jesus, don't you know. There's a great teaching from a historical figure how to engage with Christ in every season. It's not passive, but it's acknowledging the mystery of life and looking for the good in this moment in this season. Her name was Eddie Hillison, and she ended up writing a book called A Life Interrupted. And Eddie Hillison was, was a Jew from—a from, from, Dutch Jew— and she wrote in her diary from 1941 until her death in a prison camp in 1943. And day by day, as she watched her family disappear to the camps before she was ultimately arrested herself and she was killed. Her diary, A Life Interrupted, teaches us that the only way to live well is to embrace every hour. To embrace Even when she was watching the world fall apart and then she went to Auschwitz and she knew her own death was, was imminent and yet she has the courage to acknowledge that there can be goodness in every season. She says this, she says, the reality of death, Eddie did, the reality of death at Auschwitz has become a definite part of my life where life has so to speak been extended by death by my looking death in the eye and accepting it by accepting destruction as part of life and no longer wasting my energies on fear of death or the refusal to acknowledge its inevitability. It sounds paradoxical, she writes, but by excluding death from our life, we cannot live a full life. And by admitting death into our life, we enlarge and enrich it. And so the challenge of this teaching is learn to acknowledge and embrace the season you're in. And when you do, you can seek more presence with God and others. This is the second teaching. Acknowledge one, second, live in the present. How do, we, how do we live in the present? That sounds like a bumper sticker around Seattle, but how are the scriptures telling us that we might more fully live in the present in order to experience the peace of Christ internally? Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 6, 26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well, the future things. But today, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's amazing. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, the future things will be given, but only by living what God has given you today. It's very powerful because you get, the, you get the teaching that Jesus isn't calling them to remember a pastime or, or a future moment. He, he's, not, he's not dealing with anything other than his own power in the moment to say, look around you. Look around because there are markers of faithfulness. I will be good to you. Look around. Because when you look to the birds, literally or figuratively, when you look to the stars or you look to the, you know, when you look around... You, your eyes are off yourself. When you look outside yourself to Christ, you're more fully able to live in the present moment. James 4 says this, Come now who, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city and spend a year there or engage in business and make a profit, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor. That's a theme from Ecclesiastes that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So live today. And know that Jesus isn't passive, so there's something to gain in today's moment, in the season you're in now. Jesus would say in John 10, no one takes anything from me. I lay my life down by my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. We must know God is powerful in every season. Every season. But that brings its own risk. Like if there's this, Oh, I'd like to live in the present moment, Scott. I'm I'm following your point too. The inherent risk there in point two is excessive recklessness. Because if I believe that in all moments I can take my eyes off myself and look to look to the mountains, look to the stars, look to the birds and believe that God has something for me today, even in the carnage of this moment or the beauty of this moment or the sacredness of this moment, if I believe God wants to do something today, there's an inherent recklessness where sometimes we'll ask ourselves this question, Jesus, don't you care? Like, like I'm out here on my own, I'm going through this thing, I'm I'm in a chair alone, and you're not showing up in my relationship, in my vocation, with my dreams of my future, or or in the pain of my inner struggle, the recklessness sometimes of God. God, can I trust you? Because it doesn't seem like you care. Have you ever found yourself asking, Jesus, don't you care? Of course, because that's the nature of life. But Jesus deals with this mystery where he says, look to the birds and know that I will be good to you. When Heather and I were on our honeymoon, we backpacked. And when I mean backpacked, I meant we backpacked. For a while, we actually slept in a car. And that's a different story for a different day. But we were in San Marco Square in Italy. A couple of poor kids just bumming around for a couple of weeks in Europe. And we were in San Marco Square. And someone said, you got to do the bird thing. Got to do the bird thing in San Marco Square. So we paid some euro. We got some bird seed. I walk out in the middle of San Marco Square. Now, if you've been coming for any time at all, you know I have some small issues with birds. They just kind of creep me out. Not a big deal, I'm sure. We'll talk about that another time. But like, so you put bird seed in your hand. You stand in the middle of San Marco Square. Anyone in the room done this in San Marco Square? You know exactly what I'm talking about. And the birds have been trained. You show up, you know more than open up your hands, and there's pigeons everywhere. And I don't mean like 20 feet out like, Oh, look,. There's a p- I mean, they're on you, They're on your hands, they're on your arms. They're in your hair, they're on your back. Dozens and dozens and dozens. Yeah, I know, it's creepy. I don't even want to go back there. Because they're hungry, and because they've been trained, that when the tourists walk out there with the little baggies of the stuff, somebody's going to get fed. You will be hungry in this life. You will hurt, you will face seasons of difficulty. There will be other seasons of heartbreaking beauty where you just want it to never pass through your your hands. But when you're hungry, where do you go? Because Jesus, your high king, he is present. And he wants to remind you this morning that in this season and in this moment, when you live, he's available to you. Will you come as a church and with a pattern of availability? This day, Jesus, I want to be with you. This day, in this hard season, will you be my Lord and high King? Anybody can worship God when the sun is shining. What does God have to teach you in the hard seasons? This is where our faith is forged. And this is where our peace comes from. That we can receive the peace of Christ through acknowledgement and embrace, and living in the present, and naming our hunger, and courageously coming to Jesus, that's where our peace is. Look what verse 11 of Ecclesiastes 3 concludes us with, that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's mysterious. We've got eternity in our hearts, and yet God is... Also, not giving us the power to fathom the mystery of each and every moment, but God is good. He's created the world. He's created us to hunger for more knowledge and understanding of the seasons. And though it is an impermanent life we live, it is a good life where we can embrace what Jesus wants to do today through his peace. His peace cannot be attained by our work, by our effort, by our labor. By our goodness, by our rules, by our religion, by our regulations, the peace can come from one place, and one place only, from the person of Jesus Christ, who so wants to encounter you by the gift of the Holy Spirit this very day, in this very season. Will we be a church to understand that purpose that he's available, not some other time, not some other season, but in the moment. It's a peace, church, if I can be blunt, utterly different than what the world offers you. Because the world will say, when everything's going well, peace is available. Christ says, no, I've got something for you today. I want to be present to you. I will never leave you in this chair alone. And so the teaching moment for us is when we're in a hard season, when we're in the middle of a difficult day, to open up our hearts and say, Jesus, will you meet me here? Can, can I experience you as, as real as sitting in the chair next to me? I want to experience you. There, there's, a, there's a risk to, to receiving Christ's peace Is your third risk. But for some, it, there can be an excessive Loneliness. There's a loneliness for some that pervades the Christian walk because this question gnaws at us, Jesus, why don't you intervene more? Why don't you intervene more? I I can't give you an easy answer to that. But I was struck yesterday reading the Seattle Times an article about the University of Washington basketball team that the coach, the new coach came in to build a new culture and he had this tagline. He said, Rock bottom will teach you lessons, mountaintops never will. Rock bottom will teach you lessons the mountaintops never will. And I know that's an audacious thing to say. This is where we can pull up our arms and we can just show each other our scars. Because this one is where I lost my baby boy and had to hold an infant without oxygen in his lungs. And, and this one is one where I didn't know if my marriage was going to make it. And this is one where I struggle with my identity. And this is one with my self-image. And we can just say, see, me too. That being alive at all is to bear scars. Do not question God's goodness. Do not wish away the day or the season thinking God is not here for you. He is. And may we be a church that knows the availability of Christ today. The presence of Christ is the portal of peace. If you want more peace this morning, there's only one place to get it. It's in Christ. And so I'll ask you in conclusion, church, individually, what season are you in? A season of great blessing or 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 not, of loneliness or fullness, of goodness or challenge. What season are you in? I'm gonna call the band up. And as we close in song, we're gonna just stay seated. And I want this question to be kind of banging around in your head. What season am I in? Name it. Name the season. And then I wanna I want when you're ready from seated. I want you to say these words internally Jesus, I receive your peace in this season. Jesus, I receive your peace. We're seated in the Adirondacks. As the band starts, I, if you're just going to stay seated, what season I am I in? I'm going to name it. It's a, it's a good season, it's a hard season, and you fill in the blank internally. And then when you're ready to say these words Jesus, I receive your peace in this season, in this very day you are never alone in the life of Christ. You're never alone in the life of Christ. And we're busy. And we're broken. And we're not sure what's happening. But we're never alone. And if you're alone this morning, put yourself in the chair. And know that your maker sits beside you. He does. And I know there's challenges. Like, that guy can seem reckless or Lonely or missing or powerless. We worship a powerful God. Not because something might change someday. And you'll meet him face to face in this very moment. He's available. So name your season. And when you're ready, say, Jesus, I receive your peace today. And you can stand as a declaration to receive. You don't stand because you're not going to hurt in this season or everything's perfect. No, no, you're just standing because you're ready to receive the peace of Christ. Let me pray for us now. Lord Jesus, we're here this morning challenged by the seasons we're in. Beautiful and broken and everywhere in between. Allow us as individuals to come to you now to sit with you for a moment and open up our hearts. We would name the season we're in and we invite you into this day. And when we're ready, say, Lord Jesus, I invite you as peace into this season. We'll stand as a declaration that, God, you're moving in this place in power and provision as a person of the Holy Spirit. God, we declare your power in this place. We declare your ability to tear down walls, to destroy strongholds. We're speaking your power and presence into lonely individuals. Lord God, we're naming it and claiming it that would pour into this room right now, that we'd respond in worship now. And all God's people said, amen. Stay seated until you're ready to declare Christ's peace into this season and stand with us as we close.